the countdown. Three, two, one, boom. All right. Once again, welcome to episode 24 of the fucking Mox podcast. 24, that's almost a half year. Two, two more weeks, it's a half year. Well, if you think about it, we did take a week off for Christmas because of did. the holidays and everything. And, you know, it's... Half a year? Half a year. We actually made it a hell of a lot longer than I thought we would. Not bad for a, for a, a crazy idea that I really didn't think would pan out, and I'm really glad that I was wrong. Uh, again, drinking with the beer without... Yep. There we go. I appreciate the gusto that you drank that. I, I mean, obviously it would have been nice if it was a little colder, but sometimes funny, things don't I, work out. I had them in the freezer for an hour and a half. Mm. What can you do? Maybe that's I, okay. Maybe I accidentally took the ones that that's I right. brought. Yeah, that's right. We'll just drink them later. Right. The cold ones. Right. While we're watching the Patriots obliterate the Texans today. Um, anyway. Maybe. Um, as, as always, I am Bobby the Brainless. This no. is... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I'm Ja Rule, and this is, uh, what, which episode? Episode 24. I guess you could say this is like the Donald Sutherland, or no, the Kiefer Sutherland episode of the F and Marks podcast. Yep. Marks are cooking. So, yeah, uh, episode 24, and, you know, we're rocking and rolling, strutting and strolling, all those sorts of things from the, uh, oh, wait, that, that. I think that was the Rock and Roll Express, probably. You're supposed to be a fucking Mark, so you should know that. Do you know that? No, I didn't know that. I just claimed to then be a Mark. Then take it down. I, cl- I just claimed take to be a Mark. Take it down a notch. Wait, hold on. Hold on. You know, something that's going to get brought up later in this podcast, you're just going to throw it in my face. I know you are, and I'm waiting for it. I'm absolutely positively waiting for that moment later on in the podcast about what you're going to just absolutely throw in my face. I'm so. not going to throw in the face about what happened last week at all. No, I wasn't even talking about... Why are you gonna bring up the football? Why? Why? Wait, okay, wait, wait! No, you went, you went there. I didn't even say anything. Look, okay. What else happened last week that, that you would actually just want to throw in my face that everybody I've already, everybody I know has already thrown into my face? The fact that the Giants got embarrassed off the field at Lambeau against the Green Bay Packers, who, by the way, was Bobby the Brainless's pick to win the Super Bowl this year. And I'm kind of glad that they, they were the team that beat the Giants. I have no problems with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is, right now, the best quarterback in the National Football League. I don't want to hear it from you. Probably has been for probably the last four or five years. And I really am. As much as I don't like the New England Patriots, I would love to see Patriots and Packers in the Super Bowl this year. Because you have the best quarterback in the NFL versus the second best quarterback in the NFL. Two Goliaths going at it at the quarterback position. I think for the 50-year anniversary of the first Super Bowl, that would just be phenomenal. I think the the ratings would go through the roof. I would absolutely love to see that Super Bowl. Sure. As a, as a football fan, uh, as long as it's not the Patriots and the Cowboys, I could really care less who's in the Super Bowl. But, um, yes, the Giants were eliminated. I only cried for about three days, uh, just to put that out there. And, uh, yeah, so we're not going to have that thrown in the brainless one's face today, by the okay. way. Are we going to make a cheap plug? Uh, we, we are uh, supported, uh, at least visually, by Bootios, making sure you that you, booty. you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and the cat, wherever the hell he is, ain't booty. 
Studios. Also, since we're doing cheap plugs, I'd like to bring up the unofficial spokesperson or the sports uh, spokes beverage of the FN Marks podcast, Coke 45. Because if the 40 don't get you, the 5 will. And so will Juicy J again. Swig a beer for the working man. All right, Jay, let's get started with the uh, the wrestling portion of this podcast. Um, sure. Where would you like to start? I'm going to go with the Raw. Might as well go chronological. We'll start with Raw. Uh, Raw this week, I mean, there were some highlights. I mean, last week we talked about, you know, hey, maybe we aren't going to keep watching Raw. And maybe we won't, but specifically this week, because we had HBK making a, an appearance and we had The Undertaker making an appearance, I figured I'm like, all right, well, I will wait and I'll I'll make sure I watch that stuff. Everything else with Raw, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. It, whatever happens, happens. But I wanted to make sure I, I saw those two moments, because I, I, if nothing else, they would be cool. And if anything else, it just proves that you're a mark if you get to watch legends like Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker who've had some epic battles in the past at WrestleMania and even outside of WrestleMania. Uh, if you think about it, you have Mr. you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. WrestleMania Mr. himself, Shawn Michaels. You have The Undertaker who is a legend amongst legends for a gimmick that really wasn't supposed to pan out. It was only supposed to be like a, what, a six-month thing. I, I'm... I'm not entirely convinced they knew exactly what they were getting with The Undertaker, and uh, I don't know if Undertaker was supposed to be the six-month thing or if it was Kane, but I don't think they had any long-term plans, because, I mean, honestly, if you're talking about gimmicks and you're trying to get something over, how are you supposed to get somebody who's supposed to bury people? Like, <laughs> I mean, I could understand if... If they gave Hulk Hogan the Undertaker gimmick, I thought it would be ironic and funny, but... It'd be or even, John Cena. I was about to say, if, if it would be funnier if they did it to, like, Jean-Paul Levesque. Yeah. If they made him the uh, the Undertaker, or, like you said, John Cena, or the new guy now, Roman Reigns. I'm still pushing for that, that um, stable, by the way, of Roman Reigns, John Cena, led by Triple H, and they call themselves the, uh, the Barriers and give them all golden shovels, but... Right. We'll see but, how that how that goes. But specifically with Raw, I mean, the only reason why I tuned in really was HPK and The Undertaker. As much as I love watching Jericho every week, uh, he and Owens going back and forth. That's it's always fun watching that stuff. Uh, the stuff with the 205 guys, that, that's you know good stuff. Uh, the women's stuff is, is kind of hot and cold. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. But you know. Three hours is a lot of time on a Monday night to kind of go with wrestling. Hey, Viper16 uh, over up, there man? on Twitter. How you doing this week? Thanks for joining in. Yeah, Raw has not been good, Viper. <laughs> uh, that's why we've been thinking about tuning out. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we tuned in this week because we're Marks and we needed to see HBK and we needed to see Taker this week, you know. At least for me. Well, I will say this. I know that we did tune into Monday Night Raw this week because of The Undertaker and HBK. Shawn Michaels was promoting his new movie that he has coming out. Uh, I forget, for the life of me, I forget the name of it. I, I apologize for that. Well, it's it just, and believe it or not, especially because they were but like... But I do know it's coming out January 20th. January that's 20th. Right, January 20th, because they only pushed the shit out of the freaking date and everything. Um, also, I 
tuned in because it's The Undertaker, one of my all-time favorites. The Undertaker is in Bobby the Brainless's Rushmore when it comes to wrestlers all time. I, you know, I'm always excited to see The Undertaker. Um, it was good seeing Shawn Michaels. I got to see the one thing I wanted to see this week because Shawn Michaels was on the show, although I did not hit the over on the number of super kicks, which well. is fine. Um, but he did have a really good mo- uh, segment with you know, Rusev, with Rusev and, and uh, Jinder Mahal, and obviously Rusev's very attractive wife, Lana, mm-hmm. a.k.a. C.J. whatever the hell it was. Uh, C.J. Parker, I think it is her name. C.J. something or other. Uh, but, you know, the thing with that, uh, it, it's Perry. C.J. Perry. Thank you, Viper16. Um, so the thing that keeps on happening, they always put uh, Rusev in with these legends, whether it's – HBK or whether it's Goldberg. The Goldberg or The Rock. So obviously they have a lot of faith in him and they want to put him in with guys that will help, you know, bring him up, you know, a couple uh, couple of notches. So uh, I am I was happy to see, you know, Rusev having at least interaction with these guys. And it's always funny that I'm not going to say he gets buried because, you know what, he gets the rub of working with that person. Right. He's probably sitting there like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. I'm working with Shawn Michaels. I'm working with, uh, you know, uh, The Rock. I'm working with Goldberg. You know, similar with Enzo this week having his own markout moment talking about, you know, working with Shawn Michaels. So right. It was kind of cool to see Enzo being a fan there for a second. But in general with that segment, it, it was all about Rusev and Shawn Michaels, mostly Shawn Michaels. And it was cool stuff. Oh, I was rather... You know, excited about watching that segment. I know on Twitter it got a lot of backlash. Not a lot of people thought it wasn't that great with Shawn Michaels, not his best work and everything. No, but but I mean, to be honest with me, to be perfectly honest with you though, I was just glad to see a super kick. If I get a super kick, that's all that matters to me. I you know, like this year or this past year at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 32, when Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin and Mick Foley all came out and they had their thing. That, that was cool. It was a great markout moment. You, yeah, don't, you don't need to have anything special, like, as far as what they're doing or who they're interacting with. You just need them out there, and you need them to do the things that people just, like, you know, seeing Stone Cold give a stunner and drinking beers, uh, Mick Foley putting on the mandible claw, stuff like that. It's awesome. But uh, I was very happy because, A, I got to see a super kick at WrestleMania. Number two, I got to see a Stone Cold Stunner. I think I saw two of them, if I remember correctly, because not only did they take out the, um, spe- you know, speaking of Rusev and everything, um, the League of Nations. Yeah. And then Steve Austin delivered a stunner to Xavier Woods, started drinking beers with Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley and everything. Great moment. I got to see two stunners and a, and a super kick. Kind of, for me, it's like seeing randy orton hit somebody with an rko the more rkos i see the happier i am yeah. i love the rko it's awesome my favorite move. my favorite finisher at all of professional wrestling and everything um it was great just to be honest just to see Shawn michaels he hit rusev with a super kick so it was awesome big cast did fight um uh what the hell jinder mahal not i mean not it wasn't a, not, a punjabi prison match so you know it's obviously going to be crap <laughs> But um, I did want to bring up something from that segment that really stuck out to me. Um, I don't want to sound like a broken record. Rusev is just one of those guys that's really grown on me since he made his debut on the active roster. I love what they're doing with Rusev. He's getting much better on the microphone each and every single week. 
and the fact that he called himself the Romanian George Clooney was <laughs> oh, just, that was, was just awesome. fantastic. I, I love it. This guy, he's definitely crawling, you know, he's climbing up that ladder of being one of Bobby the Brain, his favorite wrestlers in WWE. With Rusev, he has slowly pulled himself out of the uh, Cena burial, which happened a couple of years ago. And it's funny because him and, you know, Bray Wyatt are kind of having a race to see who can get out of that hole quicker. Yeah. But, I mean, they were set back several years oh, because yeah. of their stuff with Cena. Uh, but, you know, cool segment. Uh, uh, the match, I mean, was nothing. But It didn't it, have to it, be anything. It, right. It was The it match was, was there so Rusev could eat a super kick. Pretty much. So. Um, also, like you said, Undertaker was involved with Monday Night Raw this week. I thought it was interesting because Undertaker... Um, we'll get to that we'll in, get a to minute, that in a minute, Piper. Piper. Um, Undertaker came out, thought it was interesting that he was on Raw instead of SmackDown because he's, he's, a, Smackdown he's a SmackDown guy. guy. And we are hyped, uh, you know, for the Royal Rumble like you are, Viper. And, you know, seeing Undertaker out there on Raw, I mean, we knew that he was there specifically uh, <laughs> for, you know, saying that he was going to be in the Royal Rumble. And honestly, I think it was a way for... Uh, Vince to make sure that Raw had higher ratings than SmackDown this week. Honestly, I think that's why Undertaker was there. If Undertaker was on SmackDown, I think we would have seen another uh, SmackDown victory this week. I agree with you on that. Um, Undertaker announcing that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble was interesting. Um, It was kind of built up with the whole Mick Foley was going to have his evaluation with Stephanie McMahon, and Stephanie said that his evaluation was going to be based on whether or not The Undertaker shows up tonight on when it was on Raw and everything. And cut, came and down to the last minute. To the, to the last second. And he basically told Stephanie that he doesn't take shit from anybody. Not in those exact words, but that's what I basically took from it, is that he's The Undertaker. He can do whatever the hell he wants. doesn't matter if it's Stephanie, Shane, Vince, Hunter, whoever. Undertaker is The Undertaker. He does what he does. He shows up when he wants to show up. And there's really nothing they can do about it. He he's really earned. If anybody has earned that right, it's the Undertaker. He has, and you know, uh, having a guy like the Undertaker in the Rumble, you know, I have to say this year might be the the first year in several years that I'm really not a hundred percent sure who's going to win the Rumble. You know, you have something in your brain where you're like, you know what, maybe they're going to have The Undertaker win this thing. Then you have something in your brain where you're like, well, maybe they'll have Roman Reigns win this thing. Well, maybe they'll have John Cena win this thing. Maybe they're, I mean, I'd say there are probably five or six legitimate candidates where you're like, oh, this person could win. The only two that I say have no shot are Goldberg and Lesnar because, I mean, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. They're wrestling each other. At WrestleMania, neither one of them have a, has a title right now unless they plan on putting the title on Goldberg because it's rumored that he's going to be going against Kevin Owens at the pay-per-view in between Rumble and uh, WrestleMania. I'm going to slightly disagree with you. Where I'm you just said, throwing out ideas where you said that the only two things, The only two names you see not winning the Royal Rumble are Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. I think there's a third name you can throw in that conversation. I mean, granted, they've only announced, like, what, like, maybe ten guys for the Rumble so far? Uh, okay, okay, I, I know where you're going here. You're... Seth Rollins. No, I, well, I mean, him too, I guess. I, Seth but... Rollins is, I think, a lock to not win the Royal Rumble this year. I am, I'd, I'd say I had shameless to... wonder, too. He hasn't announced himself for the Rumble yet. He's going to be there. Oh, God, that's going to be the worst thing ever. If, if, if 
James Ellsworth is in the Rumble. If he is not eliminated in like .6 seconds, I'm going to give up on try, my, you I'm going to delete my, my WWE Network account again. <laughs> again. <laughs> again. I just, I, I can't, I can't do it with Ellsworth. Um, but you know what? Knowing, knowing them, they would do something stupid like that and let James Ellsworth win the Royal Rumble where he pulls that thing like Santino tried doing back when they had the 40-man Royal Rumble. You know what? Uh, as far as the brainless one, uh, deleting his WWE Network account. It was May of 2004. 15 was the last time I deleted my WWE Ask him why, and he asked you you why. I don't even remember why. He's researched it. Whatever it was, I tweeted about it when I deleted the account, and then I must have, days later, deleted whatever it was that I tweeted at the WWE because I was that pissed off. And I even, I, I tried looking back on Twitter I tried asking people why I did it. They we don't tried remember. looking up WWE history to we, see what WWE they had going history on. history that at that time that made me delete it. In the general, it. like, week. And there was nothing that really stuck out that made me delete it. I, I'm starting, and it's, I, I would have said that the early favorite would have been that maybe CM Punk would have been the reason why I deleted it because they got rid of Punk, but it was well after he had already left the WWE. Um, Seth Rollins was champ then. But uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't even that upset about Seth Rollins being the champ because it's something different. It wasn't John Cena. It wasn't that freaking talentless, wet-haired, dumb shit Roman Reigns who can't wrestle a match or cut you know a promo. What? Should we start calling him the Water Buffalo? <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, for, the, for the life of me, I can't even like fathom why I even deleted it. Of course, back delete. Then, at that time, I was smoking a lot of pot. <laughs> So that's 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 probably why I don't. That's not even probably why. That is the reason why I don't remember why I deleted the, the WWE Network at that time. Uh, I'm sure that I was probably baked out of my mind and said I don't like something that they did and just was like. You probably um, got spurred on by something from uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" and it made you say, "Yeah, yeah, I'm not taking that no, anymore." It wasn't because yeah. Of that U.S. champ. I don't think that's... You know, Cena was the U.S. champ, but you know what? Honestly, the thing I liked about back then, Cena doing the U.S. Open Challenge... Was actually rather entertaining. Those... He had a lot of good matches with a lot of people that you wouldn't have normally seen him in the ring against. Yeah. You know, guys like Kevin Owens accepted the U.S. Open Challenge, uh... If I remember correctly, I think didn't Stardust did. Stardust did. Sami Zayn. Zayn was another so guy. there were there were good things that went along with Cena I, having the U.S. title. As much as you know, we we dislike the fact that he he he's kind of been the same character for the last twelve thirteen years. But well, you know, I don't know. And another thing is we we have criticized. I I know I have for a while too. Actually, not even for a while. For a very long time. A lot of the stupid shit that WWE Creative has done. That was actually one of the few things that they've done in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Since pretty much the Attitude Era died, that they actually did right. Well, the thing I would say with this that uh, Cena U.S. title run, it reminded me a lot of WCW back in the day where they had the TV title. And the TV title was defended every week on WCW Saturday night, and it was... 10-minute time limit, which obviously is different than, you know, the U.S. title, open title thing, because uh, those no, had no time limit. But, you know, they had 10-minute matches every week. Almost all of them were good, and 
You know, the end- TV title for WCW was kind of, uh, you know, equivalent to what I would say the Intercontinental title was then. So, right. oh, I think that the, the United States Championship was more on par with the Intercontinental title in uh, WCW, if any, if anything. I would say if you're if you're talking about how the television championship is defended pretty much on a nightly basis, um, I would say it was more and more in line with when the WWE back, you know, when they had the hardcore championship, when it was defended 24-7. I would say that's more in line with what the TV title was because it was basically, you know, it was it was defended every night on, wrestling, on, on television. It didn't matter if it was Raw or SmackDown. And it didn't matter who was... The champion, or whoever was the challenger was, they basically went after him. Um, so as far as the TV title went with WCW, if the if the match was not decided in the 10 minutes, it was considered a draw, and the champion maintained the title. And they used that a lot as a thing to keep, you know, rivalries going, matches going, keep everything kind of fresh. So it was uh, cool. Uh, you know, that's interesting that... Uh, uh, Tommy brings up there the uh, Jericho has not won the Rumble. And, you know, Jericho, every run that he's had in WWE, his thing has always been he wants to do something that's different, do something that's not expected of, you know, the work he's already done in WWE. He has not won the Rumble, and it would be interesting for him to win the Rumble. He's currently U.S. champion. And his best friend is currently the Universal Champion. And I I don't see why they wouldn't have possibly Jericho and Kevin Owens in a match at WrestleMania for the title. Because uh, I think I saw this week that Jericho is sticking around till WrestleMania. Jumping the gun a little bit there, are we, Ja Rule? I... I was asked a question. No, I no, I no, I get that. No, you could have just asked the question without jumping, without you know skipping to our next segment and bringing that up. You ruined the surprise for everybody. You ruined the surprise. What surprise? That Chris Jericho finally won the United States Championship on Raw. Drink it in, man. The champion of the United States, Chris Jericho. Guaranteed, surefire, no doubt about it. First ballot Hall of Famer, Chris Jericho, finally accomplished something he has never done in his entire career, and that was win the United States Championship. Yeah. And it's incredible with Chris Jericho how he's accomplished as much as he has, considering he was the architect of the Money in the Bank ladder match, he even though he never won it. it. And, you, and, you know, Tom brought up a good point about him not winning the Royal Rumble, and and... Also, Chris Jericho, I don't think everyone King of the Ring. I mean, if King of the Ring was around every year, I think Jericho probably would have won at one point. But uh, Vince, I guess, is not a big fan of King of the Ring. And for a while, they just used King of the Ring as filler because they needed to do some sort of gimmicky pay-per-view back in the day. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, so, uh, yeah, what was the question that was just asked? We had... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I kind of I kind of went off on my tangent with the uh, right uh, Viper. You had a question, and uh, I, I had an answer in my brain, but uh, the brainless one ruined it for everybody. I apologize. So, um, 
All right. Well, when Viper comes back, we'll we'll see if he, uh, he asks he, that question he got, again. He got, he got upset because of the fact that the brainless one just uh, ruined everything for him and everything. So, I get it. I'm sorry. I apologize. Viper, please come back. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, something else that happened this week. Uh, I think that's everything we needed to touch with. Oh. Something I did want to bring up. Oh, you know what? Uh, you know what Viper actually asked. Uh, Viper asked if we saw the YouTube clips of what Undertaker did after Raw. Oh, where he choke slammed Chris Jericho, Jericho and, Kevin and Kevin Owens. Owens. Yes, we, I did. Yeah, that was that um, was a cool little moment. And you know, if you're in the crowd, that's one of those things you have to eat up because it's a little extra bonus that you get that you don't have if you're like us and watching on TV. I still remember the first time I went to my, my first Monday Night Raw. It was back when John Laryngitis was was running Monday Night Raw as, you know, he was doing a people power thing and everything. And That was your first Raw in, like, 2012? Wow. Yeah. I went to a lot of house shows as a kid. I went to WrestleMania 11 at the XL Center, which a lot of people dub as the worst WrestleMania in the history of the WWE. 27 might be. Um, how dare you? How dare you disrespect The Miz like that? Thou shalt not speak negatively about Bobby the Brainless's favorite wrestler. There in were WWE. only two or three good matches uh, at WrestleMania. Wasn't that when Randy Orton fought CM Punk? CM Punk. That was a decent match. That was the show. Of the, that was the match of the night. I, I thought Undertaker versus Triple H was, but that's that's, but, that's your opinion. Sorry, uh, it is my either, opinion. Either, either way. Um, yeah, I went to I went to like I said I went to WrestleMania 11 at the Excel Center in Hartford, Connecticut. I went to a lot of house shows. Uh, the, I had gone like a very very long time, probably about 12 to 13 years between the last house show I went to and the you know the the next time I actually went to a wrestling show, and it was SmackDown at the um, at Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut, where I got to see you know I got to see Daniel Bryan fight. I got to see Shea Moose fight and everything and it was it was fun seeing those guys um the one thing i will take away from that show at smackdown in uncasville was the fact that when kane comes out and his flames when he when it hits the ramp holy shit it's hot i was arena i was all the way up in the nosebleeds in section two whatever the hell it was and i felt that like i seriously feel like my face was red after that happened i was not looking forward to seeing you know kane come out again ever again that's neither here nor there. Well, I mean, it gives you a little bit more respect for, I mean, how close those guys actually yeah. are to the flames. I mean, think about the Undertaker when he got burned that yeah. time oh, God, let's not by the pyrotechnics. That. But I, I mean, somebody, like somebody did get fired that night too. By yeah, the way. but like you know, you think about stuff like that, and it's like, however hot it is for us, it's like tenfold yeah. for them. So I, I do remember that night because that was back when Randy Orton was feuding with Christian for the World Heavyweight mm. Championship. Christian was actually the champion at the time. One of the greatest feuds in 2011, perhaps the feud of the year. Like they, like all their matches were just freaking off the freaking chain. But uh, about a year, probably I think it was a year later. I actually went to Monday Night Raw at the Excel Center in Hartford, and I got to witness it. And I just remember because you know when I was at SmackDown, that was back when CM Punk was in charge of the Nexus, right before he had his thing at Money in the Bank, and he wasn't there, and I was disappointed. Got to see him and Daniel Bryan have their their feud the way they did. Got to see AJ Lee skip her way to the ring, which was just, in the words of Bobby Roode, glorious. It was absolutely glorious seeing her out there. Um, I lost what I was bringing up the whole. Well, you, you, well, I mean, you hadn't been to Raw or you haven't been to house shows in twelve years. Yeah. And, 
you know, this was, you know, your reemergence into watching WWE live. Yeah. And it was just, it was a very interesting, it was being there live is different than. Oh yeah. And I remember, I'm sorry, you're right. And that was back when Cena was feuding with the big show of all people. You know, he had a pretty good match that I saw against, well, it wasn't against the big show, but the feud I think started maybe uh, with the show I went to where big show threw him into the big giant light. Oh, you saw uh, that one. That I was, was there. interesting. That that was a um, pay-per-view backlash in uh, Providence, Rhode Island that I was at. What I remember about that show, that, that's what I was actually getting to because we were talking about the uh, the dark match main event after uh, Raw goes off the air. And that was back when, like I said, Jer- uh, John Laryngitis was in charge. And it was John Cena versus The Big Show. And Laryngitis got in the ring and started attacking him with his crutches. Oh. And I was just like, he wasn't this, in the is, motor this scooter is yet. what we're getting? Laryngitis beating Cena with a freaking crutch? I'm like, that's just terrible. And, I, I'm, you know, some people get lucky when it comes to these. And some people don't get as lucky when it comes to the things that they get to witness for the dark match main events and everything so speaking of terrible let's move on to smackdown and we're going to talk about the probably i'm going to say that this is going to be the favorite for worst match of the year the early nomination early nomination and i'm going to say on major as far as a major promotion goes, you're not going to see a worse match than this this year uh, that doesn't include the Great Kali, which hopefully we'll never see again. But if hold, we hold, hold that thought though about that being the early nominee and could be the runaway early clubhouse leader for match, match of the year, because there's a possibility that there's a match at WrestleMania. I'll get into that after you, you you have your little bit that could absolutely take that over as match as worst match of the year. So go ahead. I'm sorry. So Carmella went against a uh, a jobber or you like to say local competitor. I know that it's our a, definition a, of polite, jobber. It's a polite way of calling it a jobber. And my definition of a jobber is completely different than your definition it, it, of a jobber. It's different. Uh, I you have know, a variation. A, a local competitor is somebody that comes out during Raw, SmackDown, or whatever live show that they have. To me, a they jobber is anybody who, whose who, job who goes, is to go out They to go lose. out there, they collect one paycheck for getting in the ring and getting squashed by Ryback or or uh, Braun Strowman, or in this case, Carmella and everything, that's a local competitor. They're getting their 15 seconds of fame. My definition of a jobber is Damian Demento and the Brooklyn Brawler and Tony DeVito and Barry Horowitz, the greatest jobber of them all. Those are my definition of what a jobber looks like. I I almost think Barry Horowitz is above the Coco Beware line, but that's just... That's neither here nor there. We're actually going to get into the whole. We'll get into that after. Uh, but honestly, Carmella went against. I can't even remember her name. I'm it just going to call her Beulah because it doesn't, it doesn't I, even matter. Uh, it was a, a slightly older woman, and she looked, she looked like uh, May Young's granddaughter. And it was just terrible. There were botches. I don't know whose fault it was. It looked like at some points it was Carmella's. At some points, it was this other lady. Uh, she, the the older woman moved at snail's pace, and it was just <laughs> sorry. Like the, I forgot what move Carmella was going for, but the botch was just so terrible. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 
I'm going to call this my markout moment of the week, and I'm going to go call it the Sharknado markout moment of the week. Because <laughs> it was so bad, it was good. When Carmella went, to, I, I want to say that, <laughs> that like, uh, it, it was some sort of move where she was supposed to, like, drive this woman's head into the mat, and the timing was just so off. Like, and what I saw happen, literally, I mean, you were across the room from me. I, ju I was just laughing my ass off. It was the funniest thing I think I had seen on TV in forever. I think, I think Tommy agrees with you that she was a jobber. She was a fucking jobber. I'm, you know, fucking trash bagger. You know, that's it. You know, I'm going right now. I'm putting this on the poll right now. Fucking trash bagger. She was terrible, uh, but it was poll. so bad, it was awesome. So I am going to put Carmella against Jobber is my markout moment of the week. Local competitor. Jobber. Local competitor. Um. Uh. And you know, while I, while I'm uh talking about jobbers and we were talking Barry Horowitz, you know, one of my uh, frequent complaints is, and I shouldn't even care because, I mean, there is no physical Hall of Fame. It's really just a thing in people's minds. Uh, but Coco Beware being in the Hall of Fame, I think the thing that drives me craziest about this is all the people that were passed over before Coco Beware, that aren't in the Hall of Fame, that had far more distinguished careers than Coco Beware, that aren't in the Hall of Fame. But I almost think Barry Horowitz, for as long as he was a jobber in WWF, WWE, I think he even did a couple of spots in WCW, as long as he was a jobber in all of that, he got, I think, more notoriety than Coco Beware did. And probably got more over when he finally got his first victory than Coco Beware ever did. Barry Horowitz should be in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than Coco Beware, and probably more so than, well, not probably, definitely more so than Drew freaking Carey. But that's just me. You know what, uh, Tommy? I saw Coco against the one-man gang at Muzzy Field. And one man gang had him going the whole match. He kept on actually pulling him up when one man gang had the match won. Uh, then gang tried to do the 747 splash off the second rope onto Coco. And Coco jumped out of the way, jumped on top, and got the uh, quick victory. Uh, well, I shouldn't say quick victory, but he got the victory after uh, gang missed the uh, splash. It would be something if you two were actually at the same show at Muzzy Field. We were. You know, home of... I, I think it was. You know, he, he, he's saying the, that... The, field, he, the very field that the greatest high school in Bristol, Connecticut, plays on for their home games, and those dipshits, well, from, the other, the dipshits from the other side of town... Who also play their home games there. Whose greatest Eastern. alum... Whose who's, who's greatest alum... And it was like he bounced off gang, right? Yes, Tommy, it was like he bounced off the one-man gang. Yeah. Who, whose greatest alum is doing 25 to life, by the way. <clears throat> life. He's doing life. And I just, I just, you know, it, it's possible. You know, I, like when I went to WrestleMania 11 at the XL Center, 
uh, one of my friends who I met many, many, many years after the, the fact was actually in the building for the same event as me. So that's kind of it's kind of like a small world. I mean, you know, from somebody who spent 33 years of his life in Connecticut, I learned one thing about the state of Connecticut. It's very small. Somehow, some way, it's kind of like the five degrees of Kevin Bacon. Where There's six degrees, but well, whatever it is, five. Degrees, in six Connecticut, degrees. it's smaller because it's yeah, Connecticut. It's small. like you know this person who knows this person who knows this person who knows this person. By the way, Kevin person. Bacon lives in Connecticut. By the way, I don't think a lot of people know this that you and I are from the same hometown, and we didn't come. You know, we never interacted with each other until you decided to be part of my family, and. Um, yeah, so yeah, maybe at the show I don't remember who we are. <laughs> That's a cool um, story. So what? So uh, someone brought up that that during the sh- the show I was at with the one man gang Coco Beware as the main event. By the way, there was a wrestler on that card called the Dingo Warrior who made a re-debut a few a few months later as the Ultimate Warrior. But Dingo Warrior was at the show at. Muzzy Field. Oh my God! You know what? Uh, but uh, it's cool that that uh, Tommy brought up that his dad and one of the wrestlers had a little bit of a thing at the show. I actually know somebody else who was at that show at Muzzy Field. Somebody that I went to high school with was actually at that show when he was a kid. He's a year older than me. I'm not going to give out his name or anything like that. But he did re- he did bring up the fact that he was at that show because he said, "I remember being at Muzzy Field when I was a kid. My dad took me to a show." He's like, and I remember seeing the Dingo Warrior and how big he was, you know, obviously as a kid, you know, he was he was a freaking monster. So it's kind of funny that, you know, I know three people who were actually at that same wrestling show at Muzzy Field and I wasn't there. Uh, it, Tom, as far as remembering what wrestler it was, no, I, I, I don't have recollections. I, I mean, sometimes my brain remembers some crazy stuff from... Years and years ago, that at least you're I have no no reason or, or anything why I should remember the stuff, but it sometimes it just sticks in there, and I don't have any recollections of, as far as that goes. Speaking of that, uh, in the way people's brains work, uh, my not so marked moment, and this is the fact that I didn't know that the Shockmaster and Tugboat and Typhoon were the same person. I knew Typhoon and Tugboat were the same person, but. I did not know that the Shockmaster was Typhoon slash Tugboat. And I'm supposed to be a Mark. And if I remember correctly, I think I was the one that... Yes, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Um, it is very You sad. should be very sad. That you, know you, you should have. You should be a better Mark. I got a, I got a, I got a punishment for, for the fact that I didn't know that. I'm going to drink this beer. That's for, not punishment. Hold, 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 hold on. For five seconds. But we're going to go, I don't know if you saw this episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but we're going to go where you're going to be the one that counts to five. And I can't stop drinking this beer until you count to five. I've played this drinking game before. That's because you're much older than I am. I am. You old bastard. Yep. (laughs) Bam. You're older than I am and you're much more of a mark than I am. I don't even know if that's even proper English or not. But Close anyway, enough. Let's, let's do this, all right? The ultimate Bobby the Brainless punishment for the fact that he didn't know that Typhoon and Tugboat and the Shock Shockmaster Master. were all in the one together. So, I'm, all ready, right. I'm ready whenever you're ready. Ready? All right, go. Yeah. One.
two, three, four, five. All right. Bam! Ooh, I'll put some hair on your chest. Right. Uh, so, you know, some of the rumored names uh, for going in the, to WWE Hall of Fame this year. Uh, nice segue, Finally, finally, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. Do you want to you do Long his over Duke. You want to do his shtick? What I want right now is for all of you... Portsmouth, Virginia, sweat hogs. Keep the noise down while I take my robe off and show the ladies what a real sexy body looks like. All right, so... Uh, you, know what I, you know what I give that, Jay? You know what I give that? That's a golf clap that you were giving. I was trying... Uh, that was actually... No. That's a golf clap. That's not a golf clap. Was that the slow? That's four and a half out of five stars. Oh, good. It, it, it takes a lot to get five stars from me. And you know who didn't get five stars from me? The New York Giants from last weekend. Bam. Yep. Burned always, yourself. Remember, I'm always the realest guy in every room. But anyway, go ahead. I apologize. But uh, kind of circling back around to uh, Tugboat, Shockmaster, Typhoon... Another rumored the natural disasters. disasters. John Tenta and I forget what Tugboat's real name is. Uh, Fred Ottman. Fred Ottman, thank you. I actually saw Fred Ottman at a wrestling show a few years back. In, was it BTW? It was actually in BTW. With um, Sean O, our boy? Sean O, our boy, was actually the announcer at the time. He's, he's still the announcer for BTW, but that's neither here nor there, but... Um, a few years back, they had a show in Massachusetts. I forget which town it is. Probably Webster. That's it. Thank you. What the hell? How do you know this stuff more than I do? This is ridiculous. Anyway, the main attraction for the show was Rob Van Dam. I, I paid the extra money to actually get... This is how much To hang out I with am. him at 420. I would love to hang out with Rob Van Dam at 420. You have no idea. I don't even care about what the consequences would be. I got to meet Rob Van Dam. In you know, Colorado. I got... <laughs> That would also be another dream of mine. I got to get my picture taken with Rob Van Dam, which is part of our logo for the FM Arts podcast. Uh, I got his autograph. Very cool guy. Uh, I enjoyed meeting Rob Van Dam. They had a lot of other superstars. They had people, you know, from TNA, uh, Angelina Love, and um, the, the Angelina Mike, the Love's Mike. not hamburgers. And. Uh, the Mike Tyson-sounding Bobby Lashley were also part of the show. Got to see some WWE legends like D'Lo Brown, one of my personal favorites. Savio Vega was there. Axe and Smasher Demolition, who were, at one point, the longest-rating tag team champions in WWE slash F history. And another reason why I get so pissed off about Coco Beware is Demolition is not in the Hall of Fame, and fucking Coco Beware is. But, all right. And, 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 but, the Typhoon slash Tugboat slash Shockmaster slash Will Ottman or whatever the hell his name is, Fred, Fred Ottman were at the show, and I, looking back at it now, I wish I had known that Typhoon slash Tugboat was the Shockmaster 
Maybe if they promoted it that he was also the Shockmaster, I would have went out of my way to meet him, get my picture taken with him, just so I could be like, hey, I got my picture taken with the Shockmaster, who is known as the biggest bust in professional wrestling history and having one of the worst wrestling moments in the history of professional wrestling. I, I, I would say it, it's definitely top five. I mean, professional wrestling has been around for over 100 years, and he's in top five for worst moments ever. Now, I'm not going to say that Carmella match is top five <laughs> worst okay. moments ever, but it's definitely going to be for this year. Right. Uh, but, you know, you, you've got the Shockmaster uh, slash Typhoon. Natural Disasters possibly going in as a team this year. I thought Earthquake deserved it. I I always yeah. said that he was above the Coco Beware line as a Hall of Famer. Um, but like, I'm, I'm glad that they're getting in. Another guy that's getting in this year. But still, Demolition not being in is a crime. They'll, they'll be in. I, I, I feel like I the hope end of the so. day they're going to get in. There's no way you're going to leave out. But the thing is, uh, a few times WWE has waited too long. Randy Savage should have been in while he was alive. They I don't want to see these guys die before they get in. They got lucky with the Ultimate Warrior. I was just about to say that. Um, that's why I'm kind of disappointed I guess is the best word to say it, that they're not making a big push to get Vader in, considering his doctor's given him about two years to live. Right. Um, he's one of those guys that definitely belongs, and he's definitely well above the freaking Coco Beware line. Very, He has a long tenure as a professional wrestler. He he's won the country. WCW title a couple times, NWA championship. He was a huge, huge start in Japan. Was one, Vader of, the, one of the greatest deserves. heels of the 90s, in my opinion. Yeah. And hey, hello from Virginia. Uh we're uh in Virginia Beach part of uh Virginia. Uh Israel. That's cool. We haven't uh had anybody tune in from Israel yet. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you for turning in. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Uh what time is it out there? I'm I'm imagining it's like 9 hours ahead, maybe 10 hours ahead and we're what are we about uh, six six thirty right now? So quarter after six, Jay. All right. So you know they're four or five in the morning over there. One a.m. Wow. All right. Thanks for uh, staying up or waking up really early and well, tuning in. And the funny thing is that it's seven fifteen in the morning in the Philippines where my dad is, and he's not tuning into our podcast and has not listened to any of the previous twenty three episodes. For this episode as well, um, I forgot what we talked about. Vader, right? We talked about we Vader. were talking about Vader. Vader's in the definitely Hall of definitely Bane. above the Coco Beware line. Uh, to be honest, with should this, be in sooner rather oh, yeah. than later. And, and, I, and I hope they don't they don't wait too long for him. Uh, obviously, they waited too long for Randy Savage. I would have loved to have heard Randy Savage's his speech. Would have been him. awesome. The only person I think who would have had a better speech than him, actually, there's two people whose speeches I wish. Um, could have actually had a speech. Uh, Randy Savage is number two on that list for me, believe it or not. Eddie Guerrero was number one on my list. I, I would I would have loved to hear some Andre the Giant oh, God, stories yes, when, he, when, when he was inducted, but I mean... That's it, another guy that they waited too long for. I mean, that's well, just that's mean, extenuating circumstances. He was the first guy ever inducted into the he Hall of Fame. the true definition of what a first ballot Hall of Famer looks like. Him and uh, 
Bruno San Martino. Uh, all right, so uh, our friend in Israel was saying uh, basically that, uh, you know, they're more in the UFC than they are like WWE, WWF. Uh, interesting thing this week with uh, UFC-ish type stuff, uh, we had Floyd Mayweather once again calling out Conor McGregor and it seems like there's definitely a push for, you know, Mayweather has basically named his price. A hundred million dollars, by the way. Or, I'm sorry, let me do it right. One hundred million dollars. So, he's named his price for getting back into the uh, boxing ring against McGregor, and all they ask for McGregor is, all right, we're going to pay you 15 million, and we're going to give you a little bit of the... Uh, percentage of the pay-per-view which i thought was also interesting because dana white came out yesterday and told both fighters that ufc is willing to pay each one of them 25 million dollars and mayweather went to dana white and told him pretty much in not so many words to go fuck himself um you know mayweather after that pacquiao fight basically the pacquiao fight he made like I think it was like $300 million, or maybe even a little bit more than that. So, obviously, the guy doesn't need money. All of this, at this point, is really like ego. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, that $100 million would be a baseline thing. The $15 million for Conor McGregor would be a baseline thing. Both of those, I mean... For McGregor, it would be life-changing numbers for him. He's had a really good UFC career, but, you know, he hasn't brought in that kind of money in any match. If he decided he wanted to break his UFC contract, I would have zero problem if, if he decided to, like, break his contract to have this fight with uh, Mayweather and basically have this one payday and be like, you know what, I don't need to do this anymore. But if he beat the crap out of Mayweather, Dana White would be stupid not to accept him back with open arms. Here's my thing about that whole Mayweather and pa- uh, I said Pacquiao, Mayweather-McGregor situation. If McGregor fought Mayweather inside the octagon, McGregor's going to kick the holy hell out of him and the match isn't going to last one round. If McGregor agreed to get into the ring as a boxer and go up against... Floyd Mayweather, who's one of the greatest, if not the defensive. greatest, defensive boxer. He's an actual boxer. He's not a he's not a fighter. He is a boxer. McGregor has zero chance against Floyd Mayweather, and I think that's what the sticking point is. Is I I think, in my personal opinion, I think Mayweather could give up a, a much better fight, an actual fight against Conor McGregor than Conor McGregor could do inside as a boxer against Money Mayweather. All right, so actually, pretty interesting question. Uh, what is bigger in U.S., WWE, or UFC? I think in the past, WWE slash F was a much bigger entity. Um, boxing was definitely up in that in that echelon because you had the likes of Mike Tyson, who is probably one of the most decorated boxers of all time. He's in the conversation with Muhammad Ali as the greatest of all times during his prime because you know the reason that uh, Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson 
um, stuck out at that time was because of the fact that they backed up their in-ring, or they backed up the way that they talked with their in-ring abilities. Now, I would say that wrestling is still slightly ahead of UFC, but the popularity in, of UFC in the United States over the last maybe decade or so has definitely risen. I think the best way to describe it, I don't know what the buy rates are for the pay-per-views between wrestling. Well, well, I think it's harder now for wrestling. Well, it's with, tough with the, with the network. Because of the WWE network, because you pay the nine ninety nine a month and you get every pay-per-view every single month. I will say this. I've been to Hooters, which is a is a chicken wing place that has women with extremely awesome breastesses that work there. And I've been there for a WWE pay-per-view, and I've been there for a UFC fight. Granted, the wrestling pay-per-view wasn't like a Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, WrestleMania type. It was like just a generic, like, you know, um, backlash. backlash or over the limit or something like that. And I had no trouble getting a, a spot in there, and there, was, there wasn't a line or any of that stuff. I went to that place... For when Nate Diaz fought Conor McGregor the first time, when when Nate Diaz kicked the living shit out of Conor McGregor, and I believe that was the night Holly Helm lost the championship in that same night, and I got to Hooters, and I had to stand for the entire card, because when I got there, there was no empty tables. The place was packed. It was packed. People were standing around getting food and drinks. People were waiting in line to get a spot in there. The parking lot was overflowing. People were parking in different parking lots to get into it. I would say now I would give a slight edge over professional for professional wrestling over UFC, but the popularity of UFC because of the likes of the Conor McGregor's and with Ronda Rousey, I think it's a close second to professional wrestling. But I do think that wrestling is a bigger entity. And I, if because of people like The Rock. <laughs> good night, Rand. Uh, um, all right, so uh, for, for me to kind of do a, try to do a, a quick wrap with this is, to, to me at this point, uh, UFC in the U.S. I think is hotter. Their pay-per-view buys, like when... Before WWE Network, UFC was killing them pay-per-view-wise. Uh, different business model where UFC is all about having, you know, a live event every month and, and what have you. Uh, where you have like WWE, they have live events every, right. basically every day of the, uh, of the year. Uh, but if you're talking pay-per-view events, m more people are more hyped for... UFC stuff than they are for WWE, uh, but if you're talking global entity, WWE is above them because UFC it just does not have that reach worldwide. They do in the U.S. Yeah, I would say right now in the U.S. UFC is close second. It, it's above WWE, um, and it's because they limit the number of events they have. It's similar. To like the difference between 
baseball and football? Well, because football only has, you know, a small number of games per year, they can sell out 75, 85,000-seat stadiums. Oh, unless it's the Cleveland Browns. Even they sell out. <laughs> no, you're talking about the San Diego Chargers. The Browns I might be sell talking out. About, hey, I might be talking about the New York Jets, too. You could be talking about them, too. <laughs> but the thing is, is sometimes it's the whole idea of uh, having a bunch of events versus having a few events where UFC is very pointed about where they go, what they're doing, and where their, you know, where their events are and how hyped they get. You know, they always have whoever is considered like the top contender going against the champion. You can't hide in the UFC. So that's one thing that they always do where, like, obviously WWE, they build up things and they have storylines and what have you. Uh, but WWE, because of the amount of events they have, uh, and the amount of TV exposure they have, to an extent, they're oversaturated around here. But for people like us, I mean, we're completely into it. So hey, whatever, we, we enjoy the stuff, and we can't, more or less, can't get enough of it except for Raw. Here's the thing I would like to, I would like to add to that point. The biggest difference between UFC and professional wrestling, especially with the WWE with the pay-per-views. With WWE pay-per-views, it's, you know, we have the Royal Rumble coming up. The the main attraction, other than the Royal Rumble, which is my favorite match of the entire year, is you got Kevin Owens going against Roman Reigns. The last pay-per-view they had, Roadblock, it was Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. Before that, it was Kevin Owens versus whoever for the world for the Universal Championship. Every time they have a base pay-per-view, like if it's a Raw-based pay-per-view, the Universal Championship is always defended. If it's a SmackDown pay-per-view, they always have the WWE World Champion defending that that title. UFC, excuse me, has all these different champions of all these different divisions, and they have a lot of different divisions in the WWE because the WWE only has the World Heavyweight, the Universal, excuse me, oh, Cruiserweight, wow, and the Cruiserweight, Intercontinental. But here's here's my here's my thing. With UFC, they promote the guys that they have in each of the divisions. Because not just you know, the top guys. For, for UFC 200, it was Brock Lesnar versus Mike Hunt as the as the main attraction for that paper for that Mark. UFC thing. Mike Mark, whatever. Chew your gum. They they were basically on a world as like a heavyweight bout. The next pay-per-view they have, it could be Conor McGregor defending the, the featherweight championship against, you know, Joe Baloney or whatever it is. The next one, it could be Ronda Rousey versus Holly Helm. And the next one, it's Cain Velasquez versus Anderson Silva. The versus next, Kane. Yeah. it's The difference between UFC is that they promote all these different pay-per-views with all these different fighters every single time. It's not like... It's like you, UFC you 200. Yeah. It's not like UFC 200 is Cain Velasquez versus Anderson Silva. It's not UFC 201 where it's Cain Velasquez versus um, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva. And it's not like it's UFC 202 where it's Cain Velasquez versus Bones Jones. And 203 Anderson Silva versus or I'm sorry, Cain Velasquez versus 
Conor McGregor. It's different things. They have different people because of all the different divisions they have. Plus the fact that their women's division is much deeper and it's much better than what WWE is doing with theirs on Monday Night Raw. So the fact that they have different people that they can promote being in the main event of different pay-per-views is why I think that the pay-per-views are much more successful for UFC than it is for WWE. Well, I mean, WWE got out of the pay-per-view business, technically speaking, a couple years ago. Greatest thing ever was the fact that they charged people nine ninety nine a month to watch every pay-per-view every single month. Well, I mean, think about it. They now have basically about 2 million people every month that are paying for the pay-per-view versus... We're two of them! Versus the, you know... They used to get like a hundred and fifty thousand for like a roadblock, right? And then they would have to split the split the money with the cable company. So, you know what? I still think that the the network is the greatest thing that the WWE has ever done. I and it's not even close. I think that the network is the greatest thing because not only do you get the current pay per views every single month that you get for the nine ninety nine. You get to see uh, Clash of the Champions 13 whenever you want to. I could watch WrestleMania 28 and watch Sheamus broke kick Daniel Bryan's head off of his freaking neck every anytime I want. Or Clash could, of the Champions 13. Or I could watch Brock Lesnar tell Hulk Hogan that it's party over, Grandpa. Or you could I see want. Clash of the Champions 13. Why the fuck are you keep bringing that up? Because at some point, me and Bobby the Brainless are are going to watch Clash of the Champions 13. And you're going to watch it with us, and we're going to go Mystery Science Theater 3000 on that pay-per-view. Because it sucks. And it has the big cat and the card. It sucked on every level, but we we really need to We need to really enjoy. bring this... I'm sorry. We really need to bring this back. Like, we... I know that there's a lot of times when we do this show, and a lot of episodes that we've done... Where we go so off the grid, it's not even funny. Like, we just kind of, like, branch off into, like, all these different things. We've gone so far away from this that the original topic is in Richmond, and we're in the Hampton Roads area. We need to really, like, I have to throw the rope and lasso that bitch back over here and reel it in. All right, so, uh, to SmackDown. Yeah, we... <laughs> We started that SmackDown conversation like 20 minutes ago. Well, in the SmackDown conversation, talked about the worst match of the year, which was my markout moment of the the, the week, Jeez, which was the Sharknado, Sharknado markout moment the of the Sharknado? week. Sharknado wasn't even the worst movie ever. It wasn't even the worst movie. It was movie Skeleton even, Man. It wasn't even the worst. Skeleton, Skeleton Man. Man? Have you, you ever seen Skeleton Man? Have you ever seen Strange Wilderness? Not yet. All right, I we're doing to, that on, later hold tonight. On, hold on. Yes. I would, I would say yes. that we could watch, hold on. I would say that we could have a moment where we watch Strange Wilderness, but my old roommate actually snapped that disc in half. I own the DVD. He got mad one night after, I think it was a Penn State loss. I'm sure it was, and it wasn't during when Sandusky was it, it plowing, through US. Little, <laughs> plowing through little boys at, 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 in, the, in, the, in the locker room. It's at, just wrong. One of the greatest jokes ever. On a scale of 1 to 10, how old do you have to be to avoid the locker rooms at Penn State University? Bam! I got a million of them. You, you want to hear jokes? I can, I can do jokes. Anyway. Uh, All right, so we, we talked about the worst match and actual... Uh, well, oh, I'm getting a call. 
Not any good. Well, I I got to finish this. Well, you so. you just ruined it for all the people on Facebook who are watching. All right, um, you brought that up as your your. Uh, mm-hmm. Any plans for the album? Um. You know, Jay brought up the yeah. fact that this that was his mark out moment of the yeah. week with Carmella and the local competitor, aka the jobber, uh losing her match, you know, having their match when they did. And um other things that happened on Monday Night Raw this week. Holy crap. It was actually an early candidate for worst match of the year. I actually wrote that down. I was the one who took the notes this mm-hmm. week. Um also this week, uh, The Miz and Dean Ambrose had a segment on the Ambrose Asylum, which is one of the newer shows that have actually brought in. Mm-hmm. Stephanie McMahon authorized that. Right. And mm-hmm. both of them during the show announced that they were going to be entering the, the Royal Rumble this year. Um, Dean Ambrose is the first mem- the first actual champion. You stopped watching and you found out it was fake. Scripted is the word you're looking for. Not fake. Scripted. Um, the thing is, is, you know, Dean Ambrose became the first champion on SmackDown Live to announce his entry into the Royal Rumble this, you know, for this year. Um, The Miz obviously was somebody else who announced it. He was the Intercontinental Champion before he lost the title to Dean Ambrose. And I think they're both guys that have, you know, a chance to do some, to make some noise in the Royal Rumble this year. Honestly... For me, I almost want to say that Miz is my dark horse. I don't Mine think he, too. I, I don't think he's going to win, but he's one of those guys where it's like, you know what? I could understand where whatever story they're putting together is for the Miz, and that right now, I think they had the Miz lose the Intercontinental Title so they could have him move forward for something greater, because. I mean, we've talked about this before on this podcast. This was his best year of work in 2016, and he deserves, you know, a bigger push. I agree. I, when he main evented WrestleMania 27, I... He was an afterthought to me, because it was more about The Rock and Cena at that point. And I'm I'm very happy that The Miz won the title when he did, because I've gone through this in the past. About when he won the, you know, when he won the U.S. title the first time, he cried. When he won Money in the Bank, he cried because the emotions really got the, uh, the mo- the better of him. And when he cashed in the briefcase on Randy Orton, he cried. And I, as a wrestling fan, respect that. And because of the fact that the Miz has th- had those emotions as a guy who was a lifelong fan, who talked about when he was on the Real World about how he wanted to be. Uh, WWE Champion, Main Event WrestleMania, which he did. Doesn't matter if it was the shittiest one or not. Main Eventing of WrestleMania is still Main Eventing of WrestleMania. I've never Main Evented a WrestleMania. Only 60, in my opinion, only 64 people can say that they've actually, I'm sure it's more than 64 people. It, but it, like, no, it's probably Probably less, less than that because Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan Main Evented like, like a shit ton of them. Yeah. Thanks a uh, lot, Vince McMahon. Stone Cold was in a bunch of them. So was the, the Rock. Rock was in a bunch of them, so... There aren't the, the, that the, many the, people. The fraternity of people to actually main event the WrestleMania is not that big. And The Miz was actually able to do something that somebody like CM Punk wasn't able to do. 
Um, when he won the title, I was I was very happy for him when he did it. Like I said, still my favorite Halloween costume of all time is when I dressed up like the Miz and used the Money in the Bank briefcase to ice four different people on the same night. Um, but this year has really been the Miz's year. He has evolved as a heel, and he really is like the, the prime definition of what a true heel looks like. I would love nothing more than to see the Miz win the Royal Rumble this year. I feel like he deserves that. That's why he lost the Intercontinental Championship. I would, I just, just to be perfectly honest, I would love to see the Miz win it. The only thing that makes me a little bit sad about that idea is they're not going to have the Miz versus AJ Styles, heel on heel. Unless and AJ, I don't think we see AJ. I don't think we see AJ turn face again. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if AJ became a face again. I don't see it happening before WrestleMania, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You've seen crazier shit happen. I mean, the Big Show makes a face and heel turn at least 37 times a year. I I mean, he made, you know, a face and and uh, heel turn within five minutes. Right. You know, a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the the Big Show made another heel turn while we were doing this podcast. I'm sure by the end of this podcast, he's going to make a face turn. Probably will. Uh, But... You know, I could definitely see a possibility where the Miz goes out there and, you know, wins and delivers. All right, apparently I've got another call I need to take. All right, take so it. Uh, All right, uh, also that happened, um, we had a tag team title rematch on SmackDown. Uh, American Alpha defended the tag team championships against the Wyatt family, who has been fighting under the Freebird rules. Where any Which two one? members of Which the faction one? of the Wyatt family can actually fight for the titles. And this week, after Luke Harper and Randy Orton lost the titles to American Alpha, it was Bray Wyatt versus Randy and Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton teamed up to take on American Alpha. Mm-hmm. Rather entertaining match. I love American Alpha. One of my favorite tag teams in on the main roster mm-hmm. now. I uh, would love to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they go as the champions, as, as the number one team in, um, on SmackDown and everything. I think it, it's good for them. At the end of it, you know, there was some there was some controversy in regards to the fact that uh, Randy Orton and Luke Harper haven't been seeing eye-to-eye with each other since Randy Orton joined the, the Wyatt family, and it kind of showed. And Luke Harper went to kick Randy Orton, and he accidentally kicked Bray Wyatt. I think that our... Like, our prediction of Randy Orton just getting into the Wyatt family just to, like, <clears throat> blow yeah. it to hell is definitely starting to look like it's starting to, you know, go in that the, direction. It seems like that's going to be the WrestleMania match. You know, we talked oh, about that a few months ago. I would love to see Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt fight at WrestleMania. Randy Orton very rarely has a bad match at WrestleMania. He doesn't yeah. get the credit that I feel that he deserves. He's more the lines of one of the more underrated superstars in the WWE. People well, call him like a well, robot because of the fact that he cuts that same promo and he sounds like a robot and everything. But he had an unbelievable match at WrestleMania. In my opinion, 27 against CM Punk. He had a great match against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania yeah. 31, I believe it was. Whatever one that Rollins ended up that was, cashing that was in. 31. 31. 30 was when Daniel Bryan beat yeah, but Batista. Boo. No, no. Blue. Boo. Boo. Batista. Boo. Blue. Boo. Blue. Boo. Blue. Boo. Blue. Boo. Blue. We're not Blue. going the whole thing with this, but either way, um, he had an 
awesome match with, with Seth Rollins. That end where he hit him with the RKO when Probably he stopped the, him from the freaking the curb to me, stop. To me, best RKO ever. Uh, Orton prefers the one where he hit Evan Bourne with the RKO oh God, after the awesome. after the. Uh, uh, right, 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 right. Uh, what the uh, bad, 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 what the Airborne? heck? Well, they call it Airborne, but that he had a specific name for it. The whatever. Uh, but Orton prefers that one. I prefer the Seth, Seth Rollins one. Uh, I thought that was uh, the greatest RKO ever. Holy shit! But good times, man. By the way, in case anybody's wondering, the Atlanta Falcons have, are doubling up the Seattle Seahawks. It's twenty six thirteen Falcons over the Seahawks. In the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, looks like the Falcons are cementing themselves into the NFC Championship game. Again, 26-13, Falcons are leading the what Seahawks. What quarter? What time? What good are you? Come on. I'm not even a, Come I'm, on, I'm a bro. Mark. I'm a mark. I'm not a, I'm Come a, on, bro. You're, you're a mark for football, too. Three minutes left in the third quarter. So there's time. So you're telling me there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Fucking Matt Bryant. God damn it. They never put kickers eligible for freaking drafting. Sorry. Um, what else happened? Oh, oh, all right. So Dolph Ziggler, your boy. Let's talk about Dolph Ziggler. You know, I'm happy that Dolph Ziggler finally made a heel turn because, you know, I love Dolph's in-ring work. His character work ever since the brand split has been much better than he was ever really allowed to do before the brand split. You know, he, he's able to showcase more emotion. He's given more promo time. Uh, before when they didn't have the brand split, the only time he would get promo stuff is it would be like WWE Network or WWE uh, YouTube exclusive stuff, which... It doesn't get up. It doesn't get out to as large of an audience. Right. And how can you really like develop yourself? Develop yourself when you're reaching a smaller audience. Right. So the fact that Dolph is able to in front of you know millions of people out there and millions, sorry, be that character and I, I similar to Miz, I think this last year has kind of been. Dolph's greatest year as a WWE superstar. And they had the best rivalry of 2016, by the way. I, I think so. In I mean, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, for me, match of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely I in the competition a, with me. Definitely, definitely their match where Dolph Ziggler won the Intercontinental title. Where he put was, his career on the line. Is, it was definitely under some serious consideration for me. DIY versus a revival, like I said, for their two, two out, out of three, three falls for the NXT Tag Team titles, ended up taking it. But it wasn't as easy of a choice for me. Right. Because I loved the Miz and Dolph Ziggler's rivalry that they had in 2016. It was the best rivalry. Yeah. So, and, and it was something that carried out for yeah. a, a few months, which I, fed into what was going on with that rivalry. I would like to add but, something with sure. the whole Dolph Ziggler thing. I think this is great. It really is. If you think about it, his Twitter handle is at Heel Ziggler. So it finally fits that he's a, a heel again because again. he had that one again. He had his, his run when he was a heel before he made the face turn a few years back when before he cashed in the briefcase on, on Alberto Del Rio. Because he was a heel when he was... But, but you already knew that. Right. And 
I think him being a heel really is better for him anyway. They don't really have a lot of... Well, I can't really say that. They don't um, have a lot of good heels. They have The Miz and AJ Styles, and AJ Styles still gets cheered more than any face does on, on he Friday He doesn't do Smackdown, anything to get himself Tuesday cheered, but right. he people just cheer him because he's, AJ he's just awesome. Right. So, um, I, I, so, I mean, Ziegler he, really took it kind of like to another level this week where, I mean... They keep on trying to do this thing with, like, Apollo Crews, trying to do stuff to him, and he just... Can I, Apollo can I, Crews is a great in-ring in worker, He, but his character work, it just needs to kind of, like, be brought up can a few I, notches. Can I, can I just say several. something on, on that whole segment with Dolph Ziggler and Kalisto where they had their match, which it was actually a rather entertaining match. Kalisto does have really good matches, and him working with Ziggler in the ring was probably, in my opinion, the best match of the night. I wanted to say, when Ziggler attacked Kalisto after the match with a chair, and Apollo Crews came in to save to the day and everything, the and he got zero. Obliterated. Zero reaction from the fans. That speaks, a, speaks volumes of Apollo Crews I don't know regards if it's to necessarily the, Apollo Crews or how he's been treated since he's been on the main roster. I, but I think he got the call he, up a m much sooner earlier. than he should have. He really... It, His in-ring work... When they brought up all the guys the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania, they had no choice. They had to bring up Enzo and Big Cass because they were so red hot. And even now, the fact that they're not even really in the tag team title picture... And they're doing I mean, that has to do... Rusev and everything. Enzo's injured right now, so that's kind of why any, they're stalled any, out. But. Anything they do, and I've said this with a lot of other people in the past, anything they do with Enzo and Big Cass is better than not having Enzo and Big Cass on the action That's roster. why they have them all on and every week. The shtick that they do is fantastic. I love it. I absolutely love it. I have the song on my phone. In fact, it's, my, it's the sound that I hear... On my alarm clock on my phone every single morning, I wake up to Enzo and Big Cass. I'm not even going to lie. That's how much of a freaking mark I am. I wake up every single day to Enzo and Big Cass, and every time I drive home from work, I listen to Glorious by Bobby Roode. And I think they rushed Apollo Crews way too soon. He should have had a chance to at least win the NXT Championship before he got the call up. He's kind of in that class with where Shelton Benjamin was, where they tried to push Shelton Benjamin, and he completely botched his his segment where he was on the mic, and they realized, well, the guy is good in the ring, but he can't cut a promo to save his life. Well, it's one, one of those things with uh, Paulo Cruz is completely ready in the ring oh, to be on the main roster. He probably was years ago. It's just right now he he's They have nothing for him. You know, they he's in got WWE that... they say you create your own opportunities, but you know they had a thing with him where he was going for the intercontinental title and they more or less like they stopped him in his tracks before he even had a chance to get any momentum 
and you know you could build momentum by you could shield uh, weaknesses on the mic or character building by having you know these fantastic matches but right. literally like the first time you, you you know within a month you know he has these intercontinent intercontinental title matches Talk much. and loses I know coming from me that's like the ultimate insult but, but um the thing about that they dropped the ball I think with the Miz being as red hot as he was is the reason why Apollo Crews didn't win the Intercontinental title. I it, it's it's the same thing with the new similar day. with uh, the Ryback new, and the uh, Ryback. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tom did bring up something that he gets that, annoyed, that he's by, annoyed Enzo by Enzo and Big Cass. Just out of curiosity, Tom, um, nothing personal. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna attack you or anything. But why are you annoyed with Enzo and Big Cass? Is because Enzo is kind of like the Chihuahua. Hey, Big Cass! Hey, Big Cass! Hey, Big Cass! Is that what it is? Or is it the fact that Big Cass sounds like the Frankenstein monster every time he cuts a promo? That's all I want to know, because he does. He's just... I like Big Cass as an in-ring performer. He's very good inside the ring. He's not that great for a big guy. Because he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. And Enzo Amore is the perfect mouth guard for Big Cass. I like Enzo Amore as a as a guy on the microphone. I like them as a tag team. I'm really surprised they haven't won the tag team titles yet. I think they will at WrestleMania 33, but th- we're not going to go into well, that. Well, I mean, part of that there. really has to do with however healthy uh, Enzo, Enzo is. And you can't teach that. And we'll, we'll, we'll see where that leads. Chihuahua. But <laughs> I just find Enzo annoying. I can I can respect that, Tom. I really can. Um, I could see that uh, Tom's saying that he finds Enzo, Enzo he's just annoying because he just chirps and chirps and chirps. It's like that that cartoon that they used to have on Looney Tunes where they had the two dogs and they would have that one they would have that one little dog and like hey big ass hey big ass hey big ass guess what we're gonna do today we're gonna cut a promo on Rusev about the fact that he's an ugly hairy bastard from from. Where the hell is he from again? Bulgaria. Bulgaria. He's the Bulgarian brute. I've had... I, <laughs> Unfortunately for you, I had... Hey. Uh, yeah, yeah, you actually ate before this thing. I've had three donuts today. Okay? Okay? You understand what I'm saying to you? I drank mine fast. Do you, do you understand? Do you know who I'm trying to be right now? Okay? Okay, here you go. I, I eat octopus three times a day. Right. I need so much fucking octopus is coming out of my fucking ear. Okay? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? 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 You know where I'm going with that? No. Okay. We kind of got off a to- topic again. Uh, if I got paid a dollar every time Jay and I got off a topic with this podcast, <laughs> I would have a lot of dollars. <laughs> you would be able to go to headlights. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't want to go to headlights, even if I had a shit ton of dollars. You would be able to go to Purple Rain. Uh, why would I want to go to Purple Rain? The freaking strip For the 35 do you understand? Do you understand that the strip clubs down here in Virginia are like... It's like WWE now compared to the WWE in the Attitude Era. I went from Connecticut, where the strip clubs are like the Attitude Era, where you actually... And Daniel Malloy. Fuck Daniel Malloy. 
the, the strip clubs in Virginia are kind of like how WWE is now, where it's PG. So I don't even want to go to the freaking strip club. In fact, as soon as this podcast is over, you know where I'm going? To the football game. Little Caesars. Bam. And we we get off topic a lot. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be real with you. We're going to break that fourth wall right now. We we get off topic quite a bit. And we haven't even gone completely. You just headbutted the freaking microphone. You're going to talk shit about me and the fact that I drink my beer and I, I'm not even making any Slow. goddamn sense. I still got the bottle here. I can smash this across your head right now. What's up, Jimmy? How you doing? Jimmy! I keep on trying to find an objective reason why I think the Texans can win. Oh, I I, I know exactly how the Texans are going to win the game tonight. The the entire Patriots 53-man roster is going to get food poisoning. That's the only way they're going to do it. Airplane style, man. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're going up against the conqueror of conquerors. The eater of worlds. Glory, glory. Brock Osweiler. Glory, glory. Brock Osweiler. Losers. Glory, glory. Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler marches home. Uh, Patriots. Uh, <laughs> Patriots had to be an all mad instead of veteran. If that was the case, Jimmy. Um, but yeah, what, what else? All right, so we I talked about Ziggler. T- now, now let's talk about the this like uh, Cena versus Corbin match. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I, it bothered me. You know why it bothered me? Because of the fact that Baron Corbin actually. I play on rookie Jimmy, so I have no room to talk. Corbin. Was in control for like 70% of the match. He dominated Cena in the match. But yet, Super Cena does what he always does. And he ran up the ramp on top of it. Ran into the phone booth. He got changed and put on his freaking Super Cena shirt with his cape. And he freaking flew his way to the ring. And beat Baron Corbin like he does to every single other person. on freaking freaking John Cena. Well, you know what? I would say I that, the shoe. technically speaking, Corbin to me, well, uh, technically speaking, no, that's that's a bad, bad, bad word. But I would say Corbin was not buried since he did dominate most of the match. But it's prototypical. It's John Cena fashion. How many times has John Cena gotten his ass kicked seventy percent of a match? And he's like, oh, well, I'm just going to crack open the can of spinach. And and then he freaking just beats the holy hell out of him. He goes with his five moves of doom. He pu- he pins the guy. I puke the end of freaking SmackDown. Sorry. I just, I, 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 I just want to see what the end game is before I actually pronounce this a burial. Now, if he, en- if this is the end of it, it's like, all right, what is the purpose that of Tom, this? Tom agrees with me, by the way, where the match pissed me off. It pissed him but off. if they have more matches, like if Boom. Corbin comes out this week and beats the holy hell out of Cena and leaves him laying in a pile of his own drool and piss and crap, 
that that's fantastic. It keeps Corbin going. But I, I just, I want to see where it ends. Right now, it looks terrible. I'm just, I'm hopeful because of Cena being on the part-time schedule. Vince McMahon is not going to let him bury everybody. And I, I know you aren't the biggest Baron Corbin uh, fan. I like Baron I, Corbin. I, I enjoy him. I, I, I think he has a future, uh, you know, Golden Gloves champion, My NFL player. You, you know, <laughs> you're really going to go there, aren't you? You're really going to go there. That's my problem that I have with Baron Corbin. I have no problem with Baron Corbin as a professional wrestler. I don't. I have zero problem with him as a professional wrestler. Did you know why? Because he gets actual heat. Because he just doesn't give a shit. He just goes out there, he bullies people, he beats the shit out of them, and does his thing, okay? The fact that they go out there and be like, oh, he played in the NFL. Fuck you. He played in a fucking practice squad. You know what guys in the practice squad do? Thank you, Jimmy. He was on a goddamn practice squad. You know, uh, what is it? Sebi Pescatelli? Is that what his name is? The guy in NXT? Tino Sabatelli. Tino Sabatelli. <laughs> Tino Sabatelli. If they want to promote him as a former NFL player, that's fine. You know why? Because he actually played in an actual NFL game where he actually picked off a pass of an NFL quarterback. Not Baron Corbin, who basically puts on the freaking red jersey and they're like, oh, well, we're going to pretend that this guy is Tom Brady or we're going to pretend this guy is freaking Peyton Manning. No, he was on a goddamn practice squad. He never took a snap in the NFL. <laughs> Even Mojo Rawley had a couple of sacks in the NFL. You know who else I think played in the NFL? Bill Goldberg? Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He's a very intelligent man who uh, got a degree from SMU. Where's my goddamn shoe? Darren <laughs> <laughs> Corbin was like, he hate me in the NFL. And you know what? He hate me actually played an NFL snap in the NFL. He was a kick returner for the Carolina Panthers. He had more of an NFL career than Baron goddamn Corbin. Baron Corbin never played in the NFL. He was on a goddamn practice squad. You know who else never played a goddamn down in the NFL? Fucking Brock Lesnar. You know who else didn't play a goddamn down in the NFL? Roman fucking Reigns. <laughs> you know what Joe Annoye did? He did nothing. You know who else didn't play in the NFL? The Rock. Yes. 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 <laughs> John Cena! You know who else didn't play in the NFL? Greg Stone Cold Steve Greg Austin! Fucking buddy! <laughs> uh, Roman oh, did not make it to the NFL. No, he, he played tried out CFL. For the, he, played, he tried out for the Minnesota Vikings and didn't make it. It's amazing how I went from up here to down here as quickly <laughs> as I did. But it's the, the fact that they referenced... It's like... I'm glad I know, could incite you. Know, you. The Macho Man Randy Savage actually played Major League Baseball. Minor league. Minor league baseball. I'm, I apologize. He played minor league baseball. He played for professional he, baseball. You know who else played professional baseball? Michael Jordan. He did? You know who else played professional baseball? Drew Henson. You know who else played professional baseball? I swear to God, if you say a name right now, I'm going to drop John Elway. John Elway never played professional baseball. He he played for the Yankees in like double or triple A, I think. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. You know who else did? Jimmy DeShane. He played did. professional baseball. And where did Jimmy DeShane go to high school? Bristol Central and Bristol Eastern. 
damn right. But Jimmy he graduated from Bristol Eastern. Jimmy DeShane is the greatest alum from the history of Bristol, Connecticut. Can we at least agree on that? After me, obviously, I'm the greatest alum from any Bristol high school. No. Okay, me, then you, then Jimmy DeShane. Can we can we agree? Uh, at least you and I are on the same page. Like we're like on like par with each other. Like sure. me and you and I. Uh, apparently, the Falcons game is trash right now. Because well, they're I don't even putting care. a whooping, whooping on the do you Seahawks. Do you understand that my freaking, uh, do you understand my, I'm like right here. I'm right here. Speaking Holy of like. Holy shit, they scored again. Speaking of like a, a side note, when, when I was on the road today, uh, Portsmouth Boulevard, you know what I saw? You know what These I saw? Nuts. I saw literally a couple of vultures chewing at a freaking carcass. I, I want to say it might have been Apollo Cruz's career, but <laughs> but I saw a couple of vultures uh, chewing at a carcass at the end of the road. But it's funny you say that. You know, when I was on the road earlier today, you know what I saw? A couple of hated. Sorry, I had to go there. You said where were head. they? Where were they? They were on Portsmouth. <laughs> well, you, you know what? Tom oh. Brady's wife does do that. She, she you know who else deflates balls? Tom Brady. If, He's I mean, only if, the if, greatest if human seen, being ever, though. Has anybody though. seen the Air Dragon commercial that they have where they talk about the uh, the air pump that actually fills air in your tires? You just plug it into your outlet and it just fills the air like that. Well, that is probably the greatest commercial that they've ever come out with since the Mountain Dew Code Red commercial that they had. And... Um, the guy comes from the crowd and blocks the shot from the freaking mascot, which is still the greatest commercial of all time. Um, Not in my house. Sorry, I was doing Dikembe Mutombo. You're, you're, you're not Dikembe Mutombo, but... No, because okay. he speaks more languages than Cesaro. No, 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 He speaks seven languages. Cesaro only has five. 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 Joel Embiid... I hope makes the all-star team this year, by the way, Jimmy. I really do. Um, and it's kind of like, really? I am so sorry that you are a 76ers fan. One of the guys I work with is actually a 76ers. I have seen your Twitter, believe it or not, Jimmy. I do know that you're a 76ers fan. I was trying to give you um, just that little bit of uh hey, hey, by the way, AI is from this area where we live in. Uh AI uh, lived in uh, Newport News, and uh, oh, uh, basically he still lives around here. And uh, but AI is apparently going to be in the three-on-three league. The Ice Cube is yeah, uh, coming up too. with. So you know that that's you know um, Cam Chancellor um, is also from he's from Norfolk, I believe he was. I think he is from Norfolk. Um, he has every year he does like a charity basketball game where he gives to the guy. I'm not going to say, you know, I don't, I'm not a Seahawks fan by any means. I will say this about uh, Cam Chancellor. We went to a celebrity charity basketball game that he was holding, and he hold, he held uh, he, he holds, holds it every, every year. year. And he gets a lot of guys from the Seahawks. Obviously, you know, Richard Sherman was there. Dick Sherman. Um, uh, Beast Mode was there. Um, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of the Seahawks players. They had Haha Clinton Dix from the Packers there. Uh, Michael Vick, who is not the f- a player that some people that we know is are not fans of, 
I own two of his jerseys, by the way, but he was also there. Um, uh, uh, no, Bra- Vic did uh, not Buffalo Bills dogs. quarterback. Tyrod Taylor was there. Kyle O'Quinn from the New York Knicks was there. Michael Kadire, who played for the Twins. Mets and the Twins, Twins. Uh, was there. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald from the from the Cardinals was also there. Awesome, awesome show. I mean, Dan the Man from Chesapeake's um, Nissan dealership. Ashley from the radio show. A couple of your co-workers also played in that game from Wavy yeah. 10. Anita um, Blanton and Katie Collette. But, but the answer, the answer was the coach. Allen Iverson was actually there. And for me, that was a great experience because I was never able to watch Allen Iverson play whether it was in college at Georgetown where I could have seen him play at the uh, at Madison Square Garden or at Gamble or at Harvard Civic Center. And I never got to see him play as a pro, whether he was in Boston or New York. Um, Allen I- just seeing Allen Iverson there was just like a – it was a very – And we were pretty close, too. We were very close, and I was just so happy that I got to see Allen Iverson, even though I didn't get to see him play. Um Great thing. I will never say enough good things about Cam Chancellor. He donated money to seven different middle schools in the Norfolk area so that the players could have new uniforms and make sure, you know, all that stuff. Have the stuff he didn't have growing up. The stuff up. That he didn't have when he was growing up as a player, growing up in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, Cam Chancellor, you got a special place in Bobby the Brainless's heart. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, since Jimmy is a 76ers fan. Jimmy, in case you were wondering, I'm an Orlando Magic fan. So I know that we never had players like Charles Barkley or Allen Iverson or... Shaquille O'Neal. We had Shaquille O'Neal. Thank you very little. Oh, wait. He's going to be at WrestleMania. Bringing it back to wrestling, baby. Or one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Woo! Dr. J. Anthony Hardaway. Bring a freaking Penny Hardaway! <laughs> I know the triggers. I I actually I was trying everything everything in my power to not rip off all of my shirts, <laughs> but you made me go topless. It only took Bobby the epi- topless. It only took twenty four episodes for me to finally go topless in this thing, where you actually said said something to trigger me to a point where. Uh, I am going wait, to wait, wait. Show, show him the true beast. I actually have a tattoo on my arm, by the way, of the Orlando... Uh, yeah, Orlando. Oh. Uh, here comes the, the Fighting Irish. Fighting Irish. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish Leprechaun is on me arm. And it's, it's, I drink a lot. And, uh, yeah, I finally, went, I finally went shirtless. I hope you're happy, Jay. I really do hope you're happy. I don't even know if I can Maybe they could have a I... tag team match at no, WrestleMania. I mean... Shaquille O'Neal and Anthony Hardaway versus uh, Big Show and, and uh, what's his name? You're, 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 uh... Penny Hardaway. Don't even bring up Penny Hardaway. What? Wait, wait, wait. Penny Hardaway. Why, why do I keep what? on forgetting his name? James Ellsworth and uh, the Big Show versus Shaq and Penny. Penny. Yes. Penny Hardaway, the man who ruined the Orlando Magic franchise, or the freaking crybaby Dwight Howard who cried his way out of Orlando. Or Steve Francis, who was nothing more than a cancer to that basketball team, or the fact that they haven't gotten a uh, like a big name player, the fact that Serge a block. Oh God damn it! He said JJ. <laughs> I cannot believe that. I, cannot I, I, believe I love he when he loses his mind. Reddick. Oh my freaking God! 
think I just broke I I broke your wife's chair. Good. I broke your wife's chair. I hope you're happy. JJ goddamn Reddick. You know, why don't, why don't you bring up the fact that we dragged the Fran Vasquez in 2011 and the guy who just sat in freaking Spain until forever. I don't want to play for the Orlando Magic. I'm just going to stay in Spain. Well, fuck you then. You know, or the fact that we drafted guys like Stephen Hunter and Gerald Sasser when guys like Gilbert Arenas are still on the board. Alonzo Ball? Nah, uh, you know what? The fact that you guys are actually going to surpass us in the standings, Jimmy, with the 76ers is just its disheartening. The fact that you guys have tanked for like every year for the last five years just makes me sick. And I'm sorry. I know that you're a Giants fan, and I give you credit for that, but the fact that you, yeah, I get it. You guys got a three-game winning streak. You guys haven't had a, a three-game winning streak since I was in, like, high school. If we oh. win tomorrow, it's a win. that's a winning streak. Where the hell are my glasses? I can't see. You put them right there. Okay. All right. All right. So, you know, there let's, we get go. Back, let's get back on, on, on track. So, uh, yeah, we, 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 we had uh, tag titles. I saw that, Jimmy. I, I actually um, commended. Rematch. And bid for doing the Triple H spit during the, before the match. <laughs> Dissension in the Wyatts. We kind of talked about that a little that's, bit before. That's American Alpha that fought the, the Wyatts. Also, I brought that up earlier in the podcast. That we talk, but attention. Jimmy wasn't here before. He's little Jimmy. All we right. need is freaking our truth. What do you want I'll to talk be about a that? good R-Truth. Right? Jimmy, we're going to refer to you as little Jimmy, by the way. If you have a problem with that, just let us know. But you're going to be little Jimmy. Right? <laughs> He's down. All right. By the way, one of the greatest segments in R Truth's WWE career happened in this very state when they had a Monday Night Raw from Richmond, and they were just finishing up, and they just announced the winner of Tough Enough, and John Steen, uh, John, I'm sorry, Stone Cold Steve Austin was in the ring with Vince McMahon, drinking a few beers, and at the beginning of Raw, R Truth came out dressed like a Confederate soldier. Happened My in God. Richmond, Virginia, home of the Confederate Army during the Civil War. The Confederate capital. Wrong on so many levels. But, like, because our truth was okay with it, it's okay. Was Truth in 2011 was, was gold. That was one of he the He deserved a title things. run. If it wasn't for the fact that Brock Lesnar went up to Hulk Hogan on his birthday and said, Party's over, Grandpa. That R-Truth moment was my favorite moment in Monday Night Raw history. You you know, as much as R-Truth, you know, main evented a pay-per-view with Cena that year and, and challenged for the title, his work was so good, he deserved to, like, get, like, a run with the title. Then I it agree. was like he and The Miz against The Rock and Cena later that year in Rock's first match hey, back. The Miz and R Truth was one of my favorite tag teams of all time. But the, by the thing way. was with that, R Truth, he, he, you know, he was pushed as high as he's ever been in his career. But his work was so awesome, he should have been pushed to the top. Oh, I agree. But uh, Cena still had his shovel out then and uh, wouldn't allow it. So. Uh, Screw you, John Cena. I know you're from the Boston area, and I know you're a Pats fan, but go fuck yourself. Seriously. Um, Take your ball and go home, and let the rest of the guys do their thing. Uh, uh, Tommy brings up uh, Heart Foundation, best tag team ever. Can I take this one, please? Can I, can I absolutely take this one? Please, can I take this one? Tommy, I'm not going to argue with you. 
I love the Heart I love Foundation. The, I love the Heart Foundation. Jim the Anvil and Brett the Hitman, absolutely one of my all-time favorites. They're in my top three. I absolutely feel that the Heart Foundation is one of the three greatest tag teams of all time. But, if you're going to talk about greatest tag teams of all time, let's talk about a tag team that has not only won the ECW Tag Team Championships, they not only won the WCW Tag Team Championships, they not only won the WWE Tag Team Championships, but they won the Japanese NJ. IWGT. Whatever it is, whatever initials they are, Tag Team Championships. The greatest tag team of all time. TNA Championships. The most decorated tag team in WWE, in, in professional wrestling history. The goddamn Dudley Boys. I've only been saying this since like episode one of this podcast. We're on episode 24. The goddamn Dudleys are the greatest damn tag team in the history of professional wrestling. They've won the tag team titles and everywhere they've gone... They know how to cut a promo. They are so over with the fans. The te- seriously? You're seriously going to... To me, they're number two. Who's number one, then? The Legion of Doom. They're number two. They're number one. It goes Dudley Boys, Legion of Doom, Heart, Heart Foundation, Foundation, Demolition, Nasty Boys. There. I said it. I, I would put the Steiners above the Nasty Boys, but... Of course you would, because you would want that freaking roided up freaking freak Scott Steiner in your list. You, you know what? The, the Ascension, the ascension yeah. is absolutely on the list of uh, probably top five worst teams. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't go there. Yep. 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 I agree with you there... Um, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. I do uh, not like that. The Dudleys should have had another run with the titles just to get... I, I don't like to have, like, the participation prize, but, you know, the Dudleys did so much good work in their career, they deserve to have a 10th title reign as WWE champions. Uh, I'm not completely upset because New Day was doing great work and deserved to kind of... Surpass Demolition is the greatest tag team of all time? Sure, just like nobody will ever surpass the Honky Tonk Man, who's the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. They should have did it with The Miz, but we're not going to go there. They should have, but they didn't. There's a lot of anger coming out of Bobby the Brain Lift today, by the way. I enjoy the anger. It's great. Um, so the yeah. Dudley's coming back. Last surprise for you, Jimmy. All right, yeah. All right, so let's go to... Uh, I was NXT. more surprised... Well, I was surprised that, uh, in general, that they brought back uh, Goldberg. Uh, obviously, there was a bunch in the news uh, beforehand that Goldberg was, you know, going to make a return. But I was surprised, in general, with how badly things had happened with him in WWE, uh, that he actually came back at all. He had Agreed. hinted, more Absolutely or less, agree. saying, like, hey, I want my kid and I want my wife who had never seen me in the ring see me in the ring again, but, you know. Right, Tommy brought up another good tag team, the Bulldogs. They were good, but they're not on the level of those tag teams that I had mentioned earlier. Um, Davy Boy Smith had a pretty solid career. I know you've said for a while that the Dynamite Kid might have been the most talented of the two, but he had his issues with WWE. Well, he had his issues. One, he was an asshole. <laughs> uh, like, uh, uh, like, 
if you think of the biggest asshole in your life, it seems like... It's my father. Take him and multiply him by ten. I mean, literally, Jacques Rougeau, because, you know, he was always messed around with by, by the Dynamite Kid, decided that he was going to take a sock full of quarters and beat the shit out of him because he was tired of taking it all the time. So finally, he beat the shit out of the guy because he was such an asshole to him. And, I mean, I feel bad that the guy is more or less paralyzed at this point. But, like... Peace out, Jimmy. Th th there's a thing called karma, and unfortunately, the, the freaking karma came back to bite Dynamite Kid in the ass. Yep. And, you know, you, you have a bunch of guys out there who have emulated him. And, you know what? He was one of my favorites growing up. And, unfortunately, this is one of those times where the guy that I thought he was growing up uh, was a piece of shit and it's completely tainted. But I'm the Mountie. What I thought of him as a wrestler. Like, right. I have a hard time watching British Bulldog matches not quite to the level of Chris Benoit, who was one of the uh, disciples of uh, the Dynamite Kid. That, but that SummerSlam match that the British Bulldog had against Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title at Wembley Stadium is one of those matches that really sticks out for me. Very, very good match. British Bulldog, I thought, was one of the more overrated superstars, to be perfectly honest. I had no problem with solid, him. solid, but just... He was, he was not, like... He wasn't at the class of, like, a lot of those guys, like the Bret Hart's and the Shawn Michaels, those guys. I didn't think he was at that level. You know, it was a decent gimmick. He broke away from the Dynamite Kid and did his own singles run. I didn't see him as anything more than a, an upper mid-card talent anyway, so. He didn't have a, like, his character wasn't, like, he wasn't much the of anything. He wasn't the Mountie. No, absolutely not. Alright, so um let's go back circle all the way back. Let's to go back 2017. to uh, Let's go to NXT. Um and we're back at full sale this this week after the first they did time a in a very long about a time month. Because they did a lot of traveling with Australia and in Japan, Japan and glad to see them back in the United States. Well the thing is, as much as I enjoy seeing wrestling and I like seeing wrestling matches and they were having really good matches in Japan in Australia, if you don't have a story to go along with the match, you're not as invested, uh, a.k.a. The Miz versus Ziggler in this past year, uh, you know, where you were invested not only in the matches, but the storyline going into the matches. Right. So, them being away, it was great seeing these matches, great seeing them in a different atmosphere, but... Them being at, back at full sale, they kind of launch forward with the different storylines uh, that they're going to have moving into, like, Royal Rumble and what have you. Or, or uh, NXT, I should say, NXT take takeover over heading into uh, San, San Antonio. The Alamo Dome. Right. So, basically, what, the, what they had here, I mean, you had, they set up, uh, what was it, a fatal four-way four for the women's title with Oscar. I'm excited for that. I really am. Um, Oscar's going to be defending the women's championship of NXT against four women, uh, three other women. Um, Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross, the Peyton. psychopath. Peyton Royce, who is stunningly beautiful, and Billy Kay, who I wouldn't sleep with. She even is. After uh, beers. 
She's got a, a stunningly face. good body. She's a butterface. Uh, Everything is nice about her butterface. But honestly, I think they've do, they've done a good job of slowly but surely kind of rebuilding this women's division. Don't call me Shirley. They ended up, you know, bringing back Mickey James to kind of have a match, uh, to kind of stem the tide to have a challenger for Oscar that right. actually seemed legitimate. And and now they had Billy Kay, they had uh, Peyton Royce come out and beat the holy heck out of Oscar before the show. And then during the show, and then what end what ended up more or less happening is the two of them come out uh, and they're cutting a promo, and Oscar, being who she is, ends up uh, coming out getting her butt kicked again, uh, gets saved by what's her name from uh, Insanity, Nikki Cross. Cross. Thank you. And then Nikki Cross beats the hell out of Oscar, but more or less we have not seen Oscar quite this vulnerable on NXT in a long time. I mean, she had a, a tough match against Nia Jax, but I mean, that was like a one-off thing. It wasn't like a protracted storyline. Right. Here, she really, like, she's against the ropes, not really, she, she looked like she was in over her head, and it's good to see that they've built them up, up enough where they're, to me at least, I feel there's enough credibility where it feels like these challengers are not people that, you know, you could just dust off. You know, it's three-on-one, kind of. I agree so. with, I really do agree with Tom with what he said about how he could see Asuka losing the title without her being the one that gets pinned. Yeah. I, I'm i going to get into my predictions, excuse me, once we get a little bit closer to the Royal Rumble in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But I'm going to put my... I, Early favorites right now for me. I think Nikki Cross is going to end up walking out of NXT TakeOver with the Women's Championship. I could see her pinning like Billy Kay to win the title. I don't see Asuka doing it because if that happens, then it makes Asuka still look that powerful. It's like, yeah, she might have lost the title, but she wasn't the one that actually lost the title. So I could see them doing something like that with the Women's Championship on NXT. Um... It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. I think that's the reason why they did the Fatal 4-Way. That and they want to actually, you know, build up the women's division a little bit. And I'm wondering um, if they're thinking of promoting Asuka after WrestleMania. Right. And I maybe could, this is... They could get her over and put her on the main roster right after WrestleMania. I could definitely see them doing and that. And I would prefer her to be on SmackDown because then they're not going to fuck with her. Um... Also on uh, NXT this week, um, the Revival cashed in the rematch against DIY yeah. for the tag team titles. Uh, an, another classic between the two teams. Not quite as good as their two oh, out of no, three not, falls, not but, good, but I mean. For an NXT, just a regular NXT show on a Wednesday night, I thought it was very entertaining. Thought they had a really good match. Wouldn't put them in the uh, match of the year candidacy for their match, but still, nonetheless, a really good match. Um, but they did build up for the NXT TakeOver after the match when DIY was victorious against the Revival. The Authors of Pain came out, attacked DIY, and is really building towards their match at TakeOver for the tag team titles. I'm excited for that match. I'm extremely excited to see how the Authors of Pain are 
are handled on on the NXT show. They they well, it's really, been a slow build for this. And I was afraid with when they first debuted it because I didn't know what kind of a tag team they were going to be. I didn't know if they were going to be treated like the perennial guys who are just going to beat the hell out of the local competitors or the jobbers, as you so eloquently put them as. Fucking and they've, jobbers. They've actually, they've been very, very impressive to me. I've They've put on some really good matches that aren't like two or three minutes long. I'm happy that they're getting their chance and their opportunity. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. They definitely did the right thing. They're building NXT TakeOver much better than they're building the Royal Rumble, in my opinion. Well, Rumble's got a couple more weeks. And, right. But we'll, we'll, we'll see where they go and, uh, with what they've got left in these next couple weeks. But, all right, you know, it'll right. be interesting. That's really all I can think of for NXT. Um, well, I, they're promoting a contract signing next week for the NXT Championship between Bobby Roode and um, Shinsuke Nakamura for NXT oh, yeah. TakeOver. Um, I, in my opinion, if there's one word to describe the, the tag team, uh, or, not, or not the tag team, the, the, the championship, championship. Uh, contract signing, it's glorious. Well, that, obviously there's going to be something crazy that happens. They, they always happen at contract signings, except for the one where Samoa Joe just sat up there on the, the ramp. Right. I'm I'm looking forward to that match. I think that match is going to be, as Bobby Roode puts it, glorious. It'll be interesting. I mean, Bobby Roode, like, I love Bobby Roode. There's nothing extraordinary about what he does in the ring. He is a very good, above-average performer. Uh, he's, like, more, I think he's more good in the ring, better character. I agree. So... Um, it's going to be interesting. I think it's, they're going to have an excellent match. It has a chance to be like at least four out of five stars um, on the scale. Or for us, it would be about a two on the penis scale. Right. So, um, 205. I thought the biggest storyline heading into 205 this week was um, Noam Dar and the Cedric Alexander. This whole feud and rivalry has been going on for quite a few weeks now. Um, Noam Dar is very infatuated with... What was, I put a lot of emphasis on that, Cedric Alexander's girlfriend, Alicia Fox. And I just love the fact that every time Noam Dar says uh, her last name, it sounds like it says, he says Fox. Alicia Fox. So it just sounds like he's saying Fox. And I, I love that. Um, very interesting this week. They had their match on 205. Alicia Fox did get involved in the match. It looked like she was helping Cedric at the beginning, but near the end, she pulled Noam Dar out of the way, and Cedric Alexander missed with his move. She helped Noam Dar get the victory. After the match, they're in the back, and Cedric Alexander's like, that's it. I'm done. So thankfully, one storyline that I'm glad that is over is this whole Alicia Fox-Cedric Alexander relationship that they really shouldn't have started in the first place. I'm glad for it. I like Noam Dar. He's young. He's got a lot of potential. I like. I've, I've been on the Cedric... Alexander Bandwagon, since the Cruiserweight Classic, he's one of those guys that really stood out for me over a lot of other people. I'm glad that he's getting his chance. I'm glad that they're promoting him on the 205 show. He deserves to have as much TV time as he's getting. I think that the sky is the limit for Cedric Alexander. This storyline, like, it's kind of been 
whatever, obviously, it kind of all spawned from them liking the fact that Noam Dar liked the way he said, or, or, or the, uh, Vince McMahon liked the way Noam Dar said, Fox, Fox, you know, being Fox. a little bit, uh, juvenile, like, oh, with the PG, <laughs> yeah. but, you know what? We've had some good matches that have come out of it, so I'm not going to completely crap on the whole storyline, but, you know, I'm glad to see it kind of come to an end. Cedric Alexander, he's one of those guys, like, uh, you know, so far on the mic, there's been nothing spectacular, but for whatever reason, when you're like, you just feel the charisma. Mm Mm-hmm. He's he's the prime definition of what um, he has. What Jericho would call it. He reminds me a lot of Shelton Benjamin. I'm not gonna lie. Where he's fantastic in the ring. He's a little bit better on the microphone than what. But um, Shelton to me never really had charisma. He he was just good in the ring, like beyond good in the ring and athletic beyond just about anybody else ever. But. For whatever reason, you see Cedric Alexander, and there's something that you gravitate towards with him. Because he's really good in the ring. I think that's but it's, what it is. it's beyond that for right. me. For me. But just, just admit, like I've admitted already, that the whole storyline with him and Alicia Fox being in a relationship was stupid. Any time they have stupid, comp- I mean, I mean, it's not as bad as the Carmella and James Ellsworth storyline, but it's still stupid. It's stu- In general, most of the relationship storylines are stupid on WWE. It depends, though, on whether they get a payoff, like when they have Gene Snitsky go and punt like a Snitsky. Uh, punt a, a, a doll into the audience and saying it's not my fault. I mean, if they have a oh, payoff Lord. like that, I'm all in. If I have to deal with this like shit wad of stuff, Shitbag. Shitwad. It's a shitwad of Whatever. stuff. If I have to shit deal bag, with that... Wad. Whatever. A shitbag is a person. A shitwad is a, like, not a person. So, if I have to deal with this shitwad of stuff, I better get a fucking shit... Ton Gene money. Snitsky punt of a fake baby. I or agree. something along those lines of absurdity. Right now, right now, yeah. <laughs> that was a good Why look. It got caught in your beard. Whatever. Sorry, keep going. I'm like, I'm like, like the evil side of Bobby the Brainless right now. It's like they have the, those things with the memes with the Kermit the Frog where he's talking and he's like, maybe I shouldn't do that. And then it's like evil Kermit the Frog and he's like, no, motherfucker, you gotta do that shit. That's, that's me right now. It's like. Right. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I, motherfucker. I want I love this whole James Ellsworth Car- uh, Carmella storyline. And it's like, I put the hood on, and it's like, yo, fuck that shit. That's stupid. So, burn that motherfucker to the ground. So, unless we have Snitsky, the, the storyline, better off dead. Better off dead. All right, so uh, we had another awesome, awesome Jack Gallagher moment this week where he had to parlay. He had a parlay. I felt like I was watching the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End with uh, Jack Sparrow, where he was like, you know, parlay with, uh, oh, crap, I'm having a brain fart. Yeah, that guy. Um, oh, God damn it. I'm going to think of it. Give me a second. 
Was it Davy Jones? Davy Jones. You're welcome. I actually thought of it, and then you're like, Davy Jones, okay? So, give me a second. Give me some time. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, Jack Gallagher is fantastic. He is one of those guys that they weren't expecting to be a huge star on the 205 show, and he's just been... Like, he's just, he's like, so taken off to different a and interesting. He's got the interesting mustache. I, I don't look good with a mustache. The interesting tights. The interesting tights, the interesting mustache, the fact that he's paler than Seamus, the ginger hair and everything. It's, the fact that the, he announced his intentions of, of interfering into a match. And giving somebody a thrashing. A thorough thrashing. A thorough thrashing. I apologize for that one. That it was, was a thorough thrashing. They apologize. It was a thorough thrashing. Um, Jack Gallagher with a parlay. The guy is fantastic. I think that he is the future of the cruiserweight division. There's nothing wrong with having him be in the future of the cruiserweight division. Somebody who definitely stuck out during the cruiserweight classic. Glad that he's getting some TV time, even if it's something stupid as he's doing right now. But he's the type of person that can take something that looks stupid. Um, I'm actually glad that Tom brought that up. I forgot to bring up what my markout moment of the week was. I know that you said that it was Carmella. Carmella and the worst match of the year. The worst match of the year was your markout moment of the week. Something from the 205 show was actually my markout moment of the week. But Jack Gallagher with the umbrella and going after uh, Davari was not my markout moment of the week. But the fact that Cedric Alexander broke up with Alicia Fox was my markout moment of the week. All right. Bam. So thank you, Tom. I actually forgot, and I was like, ah, I got to come up with a markout moment this week because I didn't come up with one last week. So here it is. All right, so let's kind of wrap this thing up. We had uh, Swan I know, against I know, Nice. I know, I, know, I, know you, I know you want to watch your uh, your Patriots lose. Well, it's not game. just the Patriots, but it, we're, we're like two hours and ten minutes into this thing. Really? Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Tony Nice hasn't had a bad match since he joined the WWE whether it was in the Cruiserweight Classic or one of the first competitors of the Cruiserweight division. Mm. I like Tony Nese. He kind of reminds me of, like, Damian Sandow, but if he was smaller and on steroids. Right. Um, awesome match. At the end of it, Neville did come out, challenged Rich Swan for To the a cookie Cruiserweight. match. Yes. To a cookie match at the Royal Rumble for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, I, I, I like that Neville's part of the Cruiserweight division. And I like that he's calling himself the king of the cruiserweight division. Um, I don't the know king how, of the cookies. I don't know how Ernie from the Hollowed Out Tree feels about that, but either way, there's nothing I can really do about it. Um, it's better than him having doing nothing. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, excited uh, for their match. I think him and Rich Swan are going to have a, a good match at the Royal Rumble. I mean, they had a great match, the non-title match. Yeah. So I mean, they're going to definitely bring it up a couple of notches as long as they're given the the proper amount of time it's, at the it's, Rumble match. It's amazing how they're handling everything better on the 205 show than they are on Monday Night Raw. Not really surprising because Monday Night Raw sucks a fucking rotten egg anyway, but either way. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that the building towards the Royal Rumble with that match and everything. So, Boom. I, I, love, I, I like what they're doing with the 205 show. It's the second most watchable show during the week after NXT for me. so. Well, and one thing we'll get into next week is we'll talk about this uh, UK uh, championship tournament that they're doing. 
I got um, to watch a little bit of it today, but I didn't get to watch the whole thing. Um, like I said earlier in the podcast, and maybe this which will was be like them. four and a half hours ago, um, we are going to probably end up watching the first, uh, like the good portion we'll of today's watch matches it. before the, the football games tomorrow. Um, it, it, you know, something to kill time with and everything. Not to kill time. It's going to be freaking awesome. I mean, if it sucks, I'll stop watching. Right. We, we already watched plenty of professional wrestling every right. week. If it sucks, I'm not going to waste my time. You're not gonna I have it. a feeling from, from what that I've, this is going to be awesome. From what I've watched in the first few matches I watched today, you're not going to be turning it off. So call it, call it for that. Uh, so we're hopeful with that, and we'll we'll have a report with that. And I think next week we'll probably concentrate on that a bit more than we will on Raw or, or SmackDown or what have you. Because I mean, obviously with Raw and SmackDown, they're building to Royal Rumble, and Royal Rumble's two weeks away, so. While we have a chance, we probably should watch the the, the United Kingdom tournament and, and donate a lot of time to that. And we so. will. I promise you, for episode twenty five, we will. Um, speaking of time, I mean, you know, and this is a lot of time that I mean, we're this talking is a lot about. Of time. The only thing that's actually lasted longer than this podcast this week is a certain individual in the WWE, yeah. who today. On January 14th of 2017, has done something remarkable that no other person has ever done in the history of professional sports. The man who today, on the date that I just mentioned earlier, has been alive for the 2000, allegedly, who's still alive in the 2015 Royal Rumble, Curtis Axel, 720 days, is still in that 2015 Royal Rumble. And with that, I think he's above the Coco Beware line. Right. So, it's time for us to have another drink. It's time for us to have another drink. It's time for us to to end this podcast so you can watch your Patriots. Uh, losing the biggest upset in, in uh, postseason NFL history since the loss to the Giants. Allegedly, no, anyway, they lost to the Giants. No, they definitely lost to the Giants, but that wasn't the biggest upset. In your eyes, it might have been, but not mine. Right. Anyway, um, I am Bobby the Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. Mark out with your guac out. Thanks for listening. See you. And if we didn't end that, I was. And I'm sure everybody on Facebook deserved it.